0: Hey everyone, I'm Andrea Ferretti, and this is episode 277 of Yogaland. Today my guest is Naomi Anand. Naomi is a vinyasa flow teacher and owner of a studio called Yoga on the Lane in London. Today we talked about Naomi's new book, Yoga for Motherhood. And this interview for me came at the perfect time. I don't know about you, but my kid transitioned to school about two weeks ago. And as you know, those transitions in motherhood are always taxing and some years more taxing than you anticipated. So this interview couldn't have come at a better time for me. And you'll notice that in the way that I immediately connected with Naomi in the interview. In fact, if you want to watch the interview on YouTube, I, I do recommend watching this one because I was having a crazy tech day and a crazy mom day, and I, I am doing the interview, the video interview with Sophia's things like strewn about me and Jason's things strewn about me, and Naomi and I had a good laugh about it at the, at the beginning. I truly adore this book of hers, and it takes a lot for me to adore a yoga book, quite frankly. I can be a bit jaded just because of my years at the magazine and being inundated by so many pitches back at that time. And what I love about her book is that I can tell that it comes from her many years of genuine practice and internalizing the practice and really making it her own and carrying it through the many stages of her life, including motherhood. There are times when books can feel like, oh, a publisher decided this would be a good idea and found a writer for it. In fact, that's happening more and more in publishing these days. And this is not that kind of book. This book feels just so genuine and so immediate, and the writing is beautiful, and the visuals are beautiful. We actually talk about the design and how much input she had. and I mean, just literal hiring the photographers and knowing exactly what she wanted. And all of that comes through. And it also just is useful. It's useful and practical. And, you know, there are a few things in my 10 years of being a mother, there are just a few things that genuinely help me. One is my husband and having a good ability to process things with him. Two is my meditation practice. And three is solidarity with other moms, it's that is probably the most helpful. And so this book feels like a beautiful representation and touch point of that. She has essays in it that represent so many different voices, and just all of the practices are very useful. Not only that, she's a really warm, wise person, and I just know that you will enjoy her so much. So enjoy the interview with Naomi. And the next time you go to London, definitely check out her studio, Yoga on the Lane. I can't wait to do so myself. Well, let's just jump in. I mean, unless you have any. Okay. Okay. Let's go for it. Let's Let's just go go for it. Maybe I'll just keep all of this in. Who knows? It's so so great to have you here, Naomi. I'm so happy to meet you. I'm so happy to meet you,
1: honestly, like thrilled that you, oh. I'm, I've am i been invited. So thank you. It's so
0: yes. You know, Adam is just, Adam Hoke, who is the mutual friend who introduced us. He is just one of my, I've met him like three times and yet he's one of my favorite people. He's just, yes. he's like you. I mean, I, I feel like I know you from reading your book already and he has that same, um, that same quality of just being what I like to refer to as like an immediate person. You just feel like you, you just get them right away and they share themselves with you so immediately. And it's just a really nice thing. So I'm really happy he connected us. Yeah.
1: I've, I've really, I've spent my 10,000 hours with Adam. Oh, Um, We co-teach on trainings together and he's part of the studio, my studio. And I, yeah. And also I just love, him and like want to hang out with him. Um, I really enjoyed the conversation that you had with him actually on Yoga Land years ago now. But too. it was so too. sweet the sparks that were firing between like his interest in theater and your like oh my gosh. <laughs> I know, I know <laughs> it's I know. really
0: sweet. That kind never of- goes away. That theater geek, that young theater geek, never goes away. And I think I feel like we talked about Richard Simmons too, didn't we? Maybe. I don't know. Anyway, we, yes, we have some kind of like inner cosmic connection and his humor. He's just, I just love people who have a good sense of humor. So, yes. yeah. It's
1: essential, isn't
0: it? Yes. I mean,
1: you're going to spend this much time doing, talking about 10,000 hours. If you're going to do that many downward dogs. <laughs> I mean, it's true, you've right? You have a sense of humor. Like, <laughs> like It's so, it's so true. <laughs> and, and call it a profession. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh,
0: I feel like I know you already. It's
1: so yeah. great well, you know it was so sweet. my daughter actually there's um you know a, a moment when they go to school where they get to invite their parent in to talk about what they do and it was this really cute moment and Amelia was a bit like, you know there's a lot of uh we live in hackney it's quite it's it's a great neighborhood but it's like a lot of her friends have she was like there's a lot of mummies and daddies that work in telly and that was like We've, we know like that was great it was exciting photographers but I really want you to come and talk about what you do so I went in and I said rather I'd rather share what I do though Would don't you think Amelia and she was like okay let's do it and I um, I taught her reception class yoga oh. but she was really cross with me because I was sort of playful and try I was kind of trying to dumb it down a little bit I was kind mm-hmm. of being a bit sort of yeah just teaching to who was in the room they were like four and five year olds I mean (laughs) but I forget that my daughter has this really strong idea of what yoga is and she just like shut she shut it down basically and had everyone with their legs at the wall it was so funny she was like you're just you're not taking this seriously mommy
0: (laughs) we can handle it mom
1: like we we understand totally let's do some deep breathing and Yeah, slow
0: down a bit that's it that's it right oh my gosh that's so sweet how old is so I really want to talk about your book because um I am I just love your book so much your newest book you have a few books but I'm going to hold it up since we're doing a little video yoga for motherhood it's so lovely before we get to that tell me so tell me how many kids you have and how old they are I've got two children, and okay.
1: one, the little one, he's five, and Amelia's now eight. Okay. So I think I'm just behind you. Your
0: daughter's nine she, or ten? She just turned ten. She just turned ten. She's a really interesting ten because she's, very t- she's almost as tall as me, which is not saying much. I'm only 5'1", but still, she's almost as tall as me. So she looks very mature, and I, she did kind of start school early, so she's already in fifth grade here in the U.S., but, you know, like all oh, kids, I mean, she's just, that's such a, cha- it's a challenging age because they're really on the cusp of teenhood and it's, they're kind of a bit in between, but you're sort of like, so you're sort of in a nice poised place where they're in school and they're out of the toddler, toddler zone. What do they, they actually in psychology call the, that period, the latency period, I think.
1: Yes, I've had yeah. that too. Although yeah. my, my son is, he's five, but he's a big two-year-old.
0: Uh-huh, uh-huh, He looks
1: uh-huh. like a big two-year-old. He's an actual, he's squidgy and very, oh, yeah, and very oh. cuddly and very, like, attached. He's a, I mean, he's a big two-year-old. Yeah. It's really hard that he's at school. I think also because through, of course, he began, like, the pandemic, he was too.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah.
1: I really think that that's had something. I mean, it's it's fine, like, developmentally, he's, you know, he's on track and everything, but he just, that was a weird two years.
0: Oh, Yeah. That. Oh yeah, for all kids.
1: Yeah, and to come out going to school, to go into that whole thing too, and to leave entering school—that's a massive leap, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yep. yeah. It is so interesting to talk to people who of all with kids of all ages about how it affected all the different ages. Nobody escaped unscathed, man. I mean, just um, so grateful that we are for now, anyway. Back, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad he's in school. But I know what you mean. Like temperamentally, maybe he like I know what you're saying. You know, everybody just they come into the world with their different temperaments, and it sounds like he's like you said he's got he's got like, the squidgy cuddly yeah. temperament. Yeah,
1: yeah. And and my daughter was very like uh, you know quick to react, very flighty, very hypers hypersensitive, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. all of that stuff. I can really relate to some of the conversations you've had with mm. various people on here, and yeah, and yet my do- my son is like of the earth.
0: Oh like yeah,
1: grounded. So it was, it has been really good for her actually to have him because he's so he sort of roots us all. He roots the whole family actually. He's really calmed us all down. <laughs> That's so nice. I think we we just didn't know what had hit us first time round. It was such a whirlwind and a big shock. I mean, it's a big shock, isn't it? Mm -hmm,
0: mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: I wonder if some, some of the sort of, you know, with the discipline and the practice, the sort of hyper control of yoga meditation practice, and then, and you know, how quiet it is and contemplative. And then for that to just explode explode, was, I think, I wonder if it's even more of a shock. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's a good, I, you know, I really hadn't thought of that. I always thought of it for myself in terms of it took so long for me to become a mother that I thought maybe the shock was having lived, you know, 20 years of adulthood on my own terms. But you're right. I mean, it's also that, yeah, so much of it is being quiet in yoga and uh, being with yourself and then kind of having all of the, like you said, all of really all of the control ripped away from you, at least for a time, at least for a time.
1: Yeah, yeah definitely. And, and, And I think that one of the things that yoga teachers do, and they're quite magical in the way that they do this, is that they are able to. I I struggle with this word because it sounds it sounds like a a negative, but like manipulate a space and an atmosphere. You know, like a yoga teacher can come into a really like dark cloud of a room and see it and shift it with. Mm. Practices. And it is yeah, to me. It is. Ma- it really is magical, mm-hmm. um, and I love the creativity of that. Being able to walk into any space and not be afraid to be mm. able to kind of move with it and be with it. But when you have a little tiny person, that's just that's not that's not the case. They they don't play that game.
0: No, they really
1: don't. They do not play that <laughs> game. <laughs> but it's sort of like then I was like, oh, well, okay, this is yoga then. So this is the real yoga. This is so that's, I think, where I got to writing about yoga motherhood. Was like, mm-hmm. A, like, I finally found my teacher, you know, completely and constantly. And then also, gosh, don't we need it as parents, as carers, don't we need these practices, but to be reminded that they work and be reminded that you don't have to sort of do everything at once to kind of pulling apart what constitutes a practice. Totally. Just that, I think.
0: Yeah, you do that so, so beautifully. I mean, I will just be totally honest and say that if Adam Adam hadn't tipped you off on me, I might've kind of, you know, thought, oh gosh, another Yoga for Motherhood book, another like yoga Mm -hmm. for pregnancy, yoga, you know, for this, for that. And because I just, having spent so many years at the magazine, just so much, so many books, all kind of, the same thing, and and this your book is so different, and it makes I'm just like I really have to congratulate you. It's just okay. I want to just start from the beginning of what I I just like the design alone. You really convey so much through the design, like the choice of photography and like the the kind of hues of the photography and the layout and the way you present the information. So how did you? just on a really aesthetic level how did that come to be and how much did you get to play a role in that with with your publisher
1: so the aesthetics really mattered to me like i wanted a book that felt like the practice mm-hmm. i think it had to be and i've got some good friends who are food writers and so i wasn't bringing in I wasn't bringing in yoga books because I didn't also like the books that I have. I don't really, they're very glossy and it's yeah. not what I wanted at all. So I was bringing in, you know, these beautifully shot cook, cookery books that, you know, really inspire ways of being and, um, you know, that people can sit with and, you know, so for, so from a kind of a, that was my sort of aesthetic start. And then what's really nice is that sort of every level of it they are people that I teach or that or and their friends. So the photographer is someone that I've taught for years who's been on yoga retreats. And she's actually a food photographer. She's never shot prior to this yoga stuff. And so she just gets light and atmosphere. Mm -hmm. That's so important. Yeah, I think like the friendliness of like that to me is really important. The friendliness of working with people and seeing the whole thing through like I was not willing to compromise at all. The great thing was that I actually developed this um, I wrote this yoga manual initially for my teacher training. And I had it designed by someone that was working with my partner who happened to be working at uh, a magazine at the time. And it was really beautifully designed. And everybody who saw it said, Oh, I would love that. Can I buy it? And that's how it initially began. I was mm. actually I was at a wedding in Miami, actually, in, <laughs> in your, you know, beautiful. I happened to be sat next to an agent and we were sort of chatting about what we were working on I was telling about training and when she said books I said oh actually I wonder if I should make this manual into a book and when she saw it she was like absolutely write the proposal let's do this and that was my first book really it was sort of an extension of that yeah and I think once once the publishers because normally they get a proposal which you know I get asked a lot by other yoga teachers how I want to write a book how do I write a book how do you go about it and I'm so happy to just share that information on here like it's you write a proposal you get an agent and then the agent shops it around Mm -hmm. and then the thing for me was that they I did that but I also had this actual hard copy of something that looked lovely so I was like I was, wasn't willing to compromise on how it looked I was like this is this is how it has to look but it did mean that a lot of people did a lot of nice things like worked, did little extras and gave me more pictures than they should have and like there was definitely a lot of mates doing friendly rates kind of thing yeah um, yeah have it yeah. look as you can see like books don't ever have that many pictures in or ever have you know like the illustrations as well it's um my husband's oldest best friend from when he was three mm-hmm. is, is the illustrator. In fact, like I've got her picture, like that's hers. On the oh, wow. There. Yeah. And I, really, I love her work. And so she kind of wanted to get involved and yeah, so it was nice. It was really nice that it kind of was this really kind of friendly and organic process, I guess.
0: Yeah. I think you captured it well by saying it, it's very atmospheric and I think it also just, the book feels For lack of a better word, it feels very cozy. A lot of what you talk about is this concept of giving ourselves this opportunity to rest. And some of the micro practices where you talk about, like, getting yourself into a cocoon and that just feeling of, like, this is beautiful and real at the same time that really comes through in, in just the design. So that's a lovely aspect of it.
1: Yeah. And I think just no one wears, no one's got any makeup on and no one's mm-hmm. like hairsprayed their hair or there's just, it's just, it's just as it comes and it, and it, there's a lot of beauty in that, I think, you know, mm-hmm. in just kind of embracing it all. I like, really like to think that it's like the book that I would have really liked, especially in those early days. I mean, it is for mothers of all ages and experience, like up to when, you know, they your kids leave home. But, you know, I, I could have done with rather than like another sort of blanket, I could have really done with like some reassuring words and like tools of actually how to cope. hmm it was all, it was a bit, I think sometimes you have, if you have a practice, whether that's running or whether that's yoga or Pilates or whatever it is, something you're really dedicated to, it can be quite all or nothing. And then the thought of not being able to do that sacred hour is like, well, I'm not doing it properly. I oh, therefore it's gone.
0: Totally. And it took just, me a long time to understand that that was not helping me that way of thinking and to shift think- my practice.
1: But you've done loads of really hardcore practice over the years as well. And, you know, mm. really strong practice. And it's not to say that that's wrong because it's not as wonderful. I still love that stuff. But don't you think there's something really special in the little and the often? like the, Oh, yeah. Uh, in terms of the elasticity of your nervous system. Absolutely. In the real life, that is the stuff, isn't it? That's yeah. where, the, where the, the, the real kind of yoga comes through in every moment. So yeah, I just think it taught, I just think it taught me a lot. And then actually I wrote the book through the pandemic when I was like, Oh gosh, all these mums at home. I mean, all, but not just mums. It's just that, you know, I had had to be kind of focused and write from my own experience, but yeah, all carers it's being at home with their kids. Yeah. Yeah. I, want,
0: yeah, I, yeah, I, I think, um, yeah. You know, you mentioned kind of weaving in the moments of, of practice and, That's another thing that I think that really, really stood out to me in the book. I mean, so just to give people a bit of like an overview of the shape, you know, you've got sequences, you've got little kind of anatomy deep dives, you've got these essays, which I want to talk about in a moment, and then these micro practices for mothers. And first of all, I just, I love the way that you've written it because it's, I feel, I just at this point in my life get so weary of like, To do Viparita Karani, go get a bolster, two blankets, and blah, blah, blah. You know, you just kind of, all of the instruction in the sequences and the way that you approach the sequence is just very conversational and very natural and makes sense. Whether, like you said, whether you're sort of just starting out or whether you're more advanced. It's like, we can all understand what's happening here. Um, And it just kind of sets the tone. I think also just the essays, you know, what you did so well was... You represent, I mean, there's just such a vast array of, of experiences of motherhood and what it is. And mm-hmm. it's just like literally different for everyone. And yet we want, there is some shared experience. And so I feel like when by including all of these different essays by these different people, you really represent that so well. Like there's one woman who talks about, oh, that sweet essay about getting divorced and how her child rearranged all the furniture in the home before they told the child about the divorce. And it was driving the mother crazy because it just felt like nobody would in their right mind would set up their house this way, but she wanted to give her daughter some control because she knew she was about to dump this huge news on her. And then once she finally told the daughter, remember the daughter said something like, I knew daddy was was going to be leaving soon. I just didn't know when and he took the coffee table, let the girl rearrange it. Anyway, you just, the, the, the essays are just brilliant. So how did, you know, are they these- They kind of
1: make me weep as they do. No. The stories of these, I think, I guess it comes down to like, what is, for me, like yoga is, it is all our stories. Like the whole mother is the whole mother. It's, it is through the divorce. It is through the you know experience of like m- fertility struggles and egg donors and all of it. It's like, all of it is- all of it is mm-hmm. motherhood. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no one motherhood. And I, I thought that, I mean, firstly, when I was actually at my lowest ebb, someone wrote me a letter who I had really put on a pedestal of like, you are nailing it. You don't seem to just be phased ever, but always calm and in control. And your children are able to freely express themselves. I just looked at this friend like, wow, okay. And she wrote me this letter and just sharing some of her kind of hardship, you know, some of the challenges, something in me relaxed. And I was like, it wasn't I wanted her to be having a harder time. Of course I didn't. I love this person. But it was just to be able to hold the two together. It's like what we do in our practice to hold the the weight and the lightness at the same time. You know, Mm -hmm. I just thought that in that moment, I was actually in hospital with my daughter at the time. We're having a hell of a time. and I did at that moment think, gosh, if I could ever, ever come out of this and ever feel like I could share this, it would be to write a book, Letters to a Mother. Mm-hmm. And so initially I thought I could just write a book of letters or like do, you know, a podcast of Letters to a Mother and just talk to mothers about all their different experiences. And at the end, we all just feel like seen and heard and whole together, mm-hmm. sort of collectively in that sort of beautiful yoga way. And so, yeah, I think that it was really important to have a range. And I guess the only thing I am someone that feels that that's really, really important to have all these experiences heard and some of the experiences you might not always hear that don't get the spotlight, but there were way, there were a lot, a lot more than got published. So it's a process. You know, I spoke to a lovely woman who had adopted two children. I really wanted her experience in there, but in the end, you know, some stories you can you can kind of um, contain them within eight hundred, a thousand words, mm. and they work mm-hmm. and they do something, they move you enough. But they're in the context of the book. And then there were other stories that were just so big. Some of the stories were so so big. I mean, not to say that these weren't. These were these are you know, there's huge conversations around lot baby loss and grief and all of that, but it felt like I could kind of hold them within this container. Whereas, mm-hmm. yeah, other, I just think that obviously for, of, for certain things, there are brilliant books that are all about that. So mm-hmm. I just sort of didn't, it's that funny thing of like, I want to be, I want to representative of all others, but I also don't want to sort of just gloss at you know, just be seen to just be sort of peppering a little bit of this and that in there and not actually being compassionate to their, mm-hmm. to their mm-hmm. narratives, which is so important. Mm-hmm. I learn so much from other people's stories. I, I mean, and I think that's like a real the gift of like another gift of this practice is like how we all come and we've all got these other things going on in our lives, and doing doing a practice and being part of a community, even if it is that it's just lots of people have the same book, or that mm-hmm. lots of people have the same teacher online, or it does it does do so. I do think there is this kind of glue between
0: us. I mm-hmm. feel it. I love that your friend, going back to your friend who wrote you that letter, I mean, it sounds like she kind of helped you remember, and you're kind of even reminding me of this because I feel like I'm not nailing it all the time, but you know, that basically I feel like the one camaraderie we have with each other as mothers, despite what our experience may be, despite what our background, despite what our child is like, all these things it's like, we're all simultaneously nailing it and failing at it at the same time. <laughs> we're all just have you know, and whatever quote failing means, like, it's just really hard. We don't, we're all sort of doing our best in the moment with the, like the inner resources, the outer resources and the, and the knowledge that we have. And, and that by its very nature is going to be imperfect.
1: Totally. And I think Winnicott was really onto something with this good enough yes enough in mothering was what he was talking about and somehow that got really lost didn't it but that message I mean it is I think it is coming do you know what it is I think it is coming back in the intellectual way like these conversations are not unusual anyway anymore sorry but I don't necessarily believe that it's felt in an embodied way
0: yeah and it's totally and
1: it's Right, because it's like yeah, we know. Like we can talk about how it's okay to you know feel that you're you're kind of you're unable to can support this moment, or you're just you've had enough. And you know we've all we're all really supportive of each other, kind of talking about that. But okay, how do you feel that in your body? How do you kind of like check in with yourself physically? Mm -hmm. And it's almost it's not enough just to have the conversation, is it? Mm I don't think.
0: No, no, I think, yeah. And I think when you were talking about like pulling the practice apart, I mean, I think that's what you, you also do really well in the books. But it took me a really, I don't know, it, did, it didn't come naturally to me to, to dissect my practice after I had my kid. And so it took me quite a while. I was like, it took me until she was about two and a half before I really felt like I had my own practice again and that I was willing to allow myself to do it in smaller pieces. And now that I finally become more adept at that and like weaving this in when I can and weaving that in when I can, I do feel like I sort of live the practice of yoga more than I did before when I was going to the studio five days a week, which is kind of funny, isn't it? It's totally funny and I I couldn't agree more. It's like all of the, it's almost like all those years of being in the studio and hearing the teachings and being with people and breathing were just like the preparation for, for now. Yeah. It's like training ground for the, yeah. I
1: don't know who said this whole, do you practice to live or live to practice thing? And it's quite, sometimes the practice can be um, almost exoticized a little bit and like put on this. Yes. Like it has to, it really has to be all of this. Otherwise yes. there's no point. But yeah, that's interesting. I really like how you describe it. I've, I was kind of dissecting the practice, but yeah, absolutely. The little micro, the micro moments are just everything, aren't they? And they that, really I'm are. Things, in terms of co-regulation, you know, our kids are tuning into that. Totally. You know, they are... I was with actually a friend's child yesterday and she was a bit despairing because it was an unusual moment. I went up into the north of England. I don't drive, Andrea. Okay. I've I've lived in London forever and I'm just one of those people that's never needed to drive um, Mm -hmm. because there's trains and I've got my bike. I mean, I I do cycle with really heavy objects on my bike. The other day I transported an actual chair. (laughs) Quite, you know. It's quite dodgy, but yeah, I tell myself I don't need a I don't need a uh, car. <laughs> but I was in my friend's car, and her kid was having this rage. But it was, I was I was saying to her afterwards, I'm so impressed with him. What an incredible thing that he was able to. He was feeling it, and he was so frustrated. And normally, when they would live in London, he would bolt. You know, he would like run. And like, that would be what he did. But he was in a car, so of course he couldn't bolt. So he was was breathing in through his nose and breathing out of his mouth. And I just thought that was amazing. You know, this kid is like seven.
0: That is is, huge.
1: This is huge. And she's taught him that. You know, it's like, this is really good stuff. Because we weren't taught that. I wasn't taught that. I I didn't, I'd been teaching for six years before I learned how to breathe properly. Mm. And I remember somebody put their hand on my tummy and I told me to breathe into my tummy and I really I I almost had a kind of quite emotional awakening of Mm -hmm. oh I've just been holding so tightly Mm. on for so many years and even though I'd kind of I was a professional ballet dancer before as a yoga teacher and so I was in the Royal Ballet for I went I left home when I was 12 and I was went through the school and then oh wow Yeah, it was really, really intense. And I was in the company when I was 17, retired by 21. Wow. But I thought my kind of trans, you know, that transition from ballet to yoga, I thought that I was being really, I was, you know, in my body. Doing it
0: right, kind of.
1: Well, I was doing it, you know, yeah, Yeah. right. And and then this just massage therapist put her hand on my tummy. I was like, oh, wow, I really, I don't have the basics. You know, this is crazy. Not even breathing correctly.
0: So, yeah, I mean, did you cry? Did it, did it, did. was it, did you have an emotional I release? Yeah. I yeah.
1: Found really a, a massive cry.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and then I kind of, res- everything kind of started to reset a bit from there. But actually, you know, I think growing up, growing, having all that like hyper intense training, it taught me so much, but it also put my system under a huge lot of pressure. So I have, I have a lot of health stuff. You know, I've got type one diabetes and, you know, it's a lot. It's a lot of managing. Yeah, it's a bit like a full time job, to be honest. But it's mm-hmm. but it's another thing that ha- yoga again, like, does help me to embrace all of that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. constant chaos and this idea of balance. Like nothing is balanced. I, mm-hmm. I look at my blood sugars and they're all over the place, and I'm like, it's okay. And it's one marker of what's of what the experience is. Nothing yeah. is nothing is straight line.
0: Yeah, coming back to those those micro moments, like. I, I will say, you know, I think before I kind of had to experience my practice in micro moments, I, I would actually get, like, books at Yoga Journal that were, like, you know, five-minute meditations and five minutes a day, and I would sort of, like, roll my eyes. And now you're my the micro practices are my favorite part of the book, and, you know, those in the essays— Because, and you did a great job with them. I mean, they're real. These are real things. You know, there's one where you talk, that's like for losing focus and you talk about looking at something close by. You don't need to stare. You don't need to strain. You're just looking. And I think you capture really well, like this idea in that one practice of coming back to presence just by looking at what's happening around you and being curious. Oh my gosh, like- so much is happening when you're mothering and parenting and and humaning and it's like to just take a moment to notice what is happening in a tender way mm-hmm. can be so valuable and so all of those are those are just you should make a you should make a whole podcast series of those
1: because they're oh, so sick. lovely and helpful <laughs> so kind i mean i sort of I, I do i do think there is something really Beautiful about the simple practices. Mm -hmm. And I think I think that so many yoga teachers have got lost in trying to make a living as well. And it's got so complicated and Mm -hmm. and choreographically as well. It's just so complex. And I just I know from from my nervous system as well, just repetition and like small things often is it just makes me feel better about everything. And, and yeah, you know, the gaze, the gaze thing is good because often I think when if your mind is jumping around in so many different places, I think, you know, you have two minutes to do some breath practice, but your phone is just there and it's, everything is so distracting. But, but to see an object and then to feel your own body and then to imagine the space between and breathe the space between. Suddenly it's this tangible thing. Mm-hmm. And that object could be, the kit, you know, the laundry that you've got to put away it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be anything you know sacred totally <laughs> You know what I mean? it just be literally anything just mm-hmm. feel the space between yeah just don't miss this don't miss this moment yeah I sometimes think that as well like I think that's why I wanted there to be in the book plenty of you know just the real stuff and the chaos a little bit celebrate that mm-hmm. because I, I don't want to look back and think oh I missed it Think waiting for something better imagining mm-hmm. that things would get easier I mean my experience is it it does get a little bit easier just because I get more who I am and they get more who they are and we all get more who we are as a sort of symbiotic kind of unit and it flows more but it's not to say it always does you know life life throws you all kinds of things but yeah I don't want to look back and think i wasn't in it i wasn't in the texture of it the te- as you say like the tenderness of it mm-hmm. so yeah i think i think the book is an a kind of love letter to mums mm-hmm. to all of us to to just pay attention and and be and be in it no matter how hard and, it's, mm-hmm. and we're all in it together you know was, we really are i mean there's just that the little drops of life that we are i mean it's just incredible
0: isn't it it really? is It is. And it's nice. It's a nice thing to be able to, to share it and talk about it. And you know, just you telling that story about your friend and witnessing her child and that you reflect, she was probably, you know, anytime your child is in distress, it's just your own nervous system goes, oh, it's just so hard. And, and then when it happens, even in front of a close friend, it can be like uh, compounds. And the fact that you reflected back to her, like this little positive moment i have a friend who will do that for me all the time with my with my daughter and she's a new friend she's just a brand new friend and i'm just she's actually a yoga person i'm so grateful to her for doing that for me because it's i forget all the time and i i'm you know i become not generous with myself and not generous with my kid. And I go back, snap back into like all those things we're taught, which is everything's supposed to look this way and be this way. And we're all supposed to behave this way. And it's, so yeah, just to be able to share oh, this like really intense experience, this is really helpful. Well,
1: I really also have like a whole bunch of new like mom, not bunch, but like a couple like a handful of mum but local friends and we 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 got really close over the last few years I think because normally we're all buzzing about living our lives you know getting on the tube and doing what we do and yet we were all sort of confined and so our rhythm shifted and we were in each other's lives and supporting each other and you know with childcare and all of that kind of thing right and yeah I, I I love those friends because I've met them at a moment there's just so there's just so much compassion. There really is. It's the real deal, you know. They, the, the way that they, yes, mother their children, but the way they mother me, the way that we all kind of mother each other a little bit, you know. That this um, it goes beyond, doesn't it? The, mm-hmm. the, the, the confines of your own home, actually. Yeah. And that's such a nice kind of atmosphere to be in, to feel like you have this sort of neighborhood of, of support there. I mean, two of my dearest friends have actually moved to Yorkshire. So that's really annoying, but um, (laughs) it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. That's annoying, but it's still, but actually it's still, you know, they're still there. It's
0: still good. Yeah. 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 One of the things you mentioned early on as we were talking is your child or your kids being your teachers. And I just couldn't agree more. I don't think I just don't, there's just no way I would have experienced the growth I have so far had I not had my kid. But I wonder if you could just unpack that a little bit in whatever way you feel comfortable, just because I think it's such a great, it's such a great thing to remember that they are our teachers.
1: They are our teachers. I mean, even down to, so so my my daughter had a milk protein allergy when she was little so she just screamed solidly for six months we couldn't sort of figure out what the thing was um and and I mean I was I mean I was being referred to sort of the mental health unit because everyone was like wow you are sleep deprived and crazy because I was trying to work out what was wrong with her and I was like actually I just really can't bear this the suffering like it was too much she was sweating you know oh arching gosh. but because she was putting on weight the sort of medical professionals weren't concerned um i think you have you have a re- well you, you do have a really different system in the states and we are incredibly lucky with the nhs but it's also massively it's un- under-resourced like there's so, layers that you have to oh, go through so many layers uh, so many layers so it just took us ages to get referred to see a gastro pediatrician even though we were willing to like pay for this pr- this private appointment and then we were there 10 minutes and he said yeah your daughter you know she has a milk pro-, you know just he just looked at her observed <sighs> us and I wept because someone I'd finally been heard you know I'd been told I was you know needing support mentally but but actually, all I really needed was her to be okay. And Great. then, <sighs> so there was this first moment of, yeah, I guess a little bit like in that process, I was losing myself. I was so absorbed in her experience. There was huge, kind of um, quite complicated kind of codependence. I was really... I was there, I was the person, but it was just, I I, I needed to be there. I could, I would not leave her crying with anyone else, Mm -hmm. even though I could have really done with a break. It was just, I had to absolutely fix it. But, but once I was sort of coming through it, my partner, he's just wonderful. He's so supportive. And he knew that I needed to get back teaching, teaching, even though I was an absolute ghost of myself. And so I did, and I just taught one class a week for, for one hour and in that hour, it just, everything started to get a little bit better because of the, she was ready. She needed to be let go of. She needed some space from me as well. I needed space from her. And a little bit like that was a really big lesson in non-attachment. <laughs> you know, just, and so I I get that all the time with my daughter in particular is that she's always ready to do things way before I am ready. Like oh, wow. sleepovers, I was just not ready for sleepovers like really we're doing sleepovers but she was ready and it's like this moment of like I have to trust her and this moment and this experience and let go because it is that time even though I'm not ready Mm -hmm. and I think so and that's just like one of many many examples Um, yeah
0: yeah yeah that's amazing I mean yeah that's a huge one and I think that's you know It is an important, it's like the non-attachment aspect of the practice. And I have friends, well, my nephew went off to college just last week. And one of my best friends here, son, is going off to college in a couple weeks. And I am, sometimes I just wish I could shut off my empath switch because I am already like devastated for them about that shift, right? But ultimately, the shift is always, the hope is always that they will be able to, you know, do things without us. So that is a big one. That is a it's really, a really big
1: one. And like some of the really practical ways of, I just think, yeah, that empath switch is really intense. And I, I really hear you with that. And I, I had this wonderful teacher, Beau Forbes, years ago, and I assisted her when she would come to the to the UK. And I, and one of the things. Her book really came at a time, Yoga for Emotional Balance, where I think therapy is amazing. I'm a huge proponent of therapy, and I love, you know, being able to support my students to, you know, I like to refer on, you know, when things get too much, you know, beyond the remit of what I do. And I loved how she was creating, almost like we bringing yoga into the therapeutic space by when we say yoga, like really restorative practice, like just wrapping yourself in a blanket, and or like interceptively tuning in, you are putting your hands on your body, going through those lovely phrases that Kristen Neff uses as well. Mm. You know that this is a moment of suffering, and you know just it, knowing that it will pass. But I don't think I would have necessarily come to those things with such a spotlight if it wasn't for my for my experience of parenthood. I just mm-hmm. think I, and, and I think that, again, that they they have pulled focus on what yoga is for me. So they have taught me so much. I really could have just got lost in Pinchamaya asana for a yep. really long time, yep. you know, like thinking that perfecting that forearm balance was really, really it, because it's quite intoxicating when mm. you're in that. And it's that lovely, um, you know, endorphin release that you get when you're doing those practices, but actually going, yeah, going through some really hard stuff. You have to go into those deep layers of yourself, don't you? Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, it's true. I think intoxicating is the right word. I was starting to get into more, like for me, you know, the more advanced arm balances before I got pregnant and like, you know, dragonfly and getting your body into those very, very deep shapes and then kind of yeah, like you said, like accomplishing, having that endorphin rush, it is addictive. And I mean, you know, and there, it serves so, so many wonderful purposes. So there's nothing, I am not downplaying that at all, but I I know what you mean by like, I could have gotten lost in that, that vortex forever.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's just nice to be, to still be able to do those things as well, but in a very like non-hierarchical way that knowing that, yeah, that's great. But so is the Prita Karani, putting your legs at the wall, that it's hot, you know, yes, if you want to do a handstand practice, but in the same class, making sure that the people that are in my class, certainly, and who read my book, I hope, feel that that really doing something that isn't that kind of big in, we'll use that word again, intoxicating shape, you know, mm-hmm. the appeal of that. It's mm-hmm. so compelling, isn't it? You see that big, shiny gold thing and you're like, that's surely it. And actually the person lying down with that bolster under them is is more possibly
0: it, you know, who knows? And knowing that they need that in that moment, like knowing yeah. that they need that. I mean, I see that with Jason now. It's I'm really happy that I see that with him too because he has always said to us i self regulate by by being very physical right and that's a big part of how i keep my nervous system and my all of my systems in check and so he's gotten much his practice his yoga practices are usually pretty active and then his other physical practice brazilian jiu jitsu is very active but i see him more and more now over these last few years as we've learned more about co-regulation with, with a child, right. And, and on the importance of our own self-regulation. And he's been able to see like, Oh, I thought I had it all figured out. But when, as soon as my kid gets triggered, I'm like off the handle, you know, it's really, and it's just part of who he is and it's nothing. It's been really good to just be like, yeah, this is part of what we have been conditioned to be, or it's how we're wired or it's our brain. And, and we can, we still have these practices to help us learn to self-regulate. And so I do see him doing more inward and more supportive practices at home. And I'm just so happy that he has it too, you know?
1: Oh, it's so good. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I can really relate to, to to that journey as well that you go on, you know, with, uh, shifting from being a professional ballet dancer then I needed the kind of rigor of a of a strong practice. It's absolutely ha- all I've kn- known was mm-hmm. ah and push push you know, push I, mm-hmm. push push push, and you know had these really intense teachers, and you know I was a long way from home from a young age. You know I was there to like really achieve this one goal. You know it's really yeah. very very intense. So I needed anything after that would have felt soft, but you know the practices that I chose were the the hot practices, the Ashtanga, Ashtanga and mm-hmm. Power Yoga, and all of that really heated, fiery stuff. And it was absolutely also what my nervous system possibly needed. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want to go from A to Z. You want to mm-hmm. kind of you've got to kind of gently. You've got to be on your own journey, haven't you? But what what I, what I love about that as um, as a life experience is now when anyone comes into my room. I'm just not phased. Because I've been, I've been there, I've been, I've had that need to do that thing, and I'm really happy to support that person in that big shape for them if it means so much. Like, let's do that. But then at the same time, making sure that the person, you know, lying down feels that they are equal to, you know, there's it's there's room for everyone.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's like you've been through all the phases, so you recognize. What that we all need different things at different times. Yeah. So tell me, Naomi, where, how, what is your teaching schedule these days? Where are you teaching?
1: Yeah. So I've, I have a studio, a small studio in East London. Um, it's called yoga on the lane. It's been there for 11 years and I teach through yoga on the lane. I do morning classes, 8am on a Tuesday and a Thursday, and then I do, uh, 8pm on a Sunday and that's all via zoom. And then I also do in-person on a Wednesday and a Friday morning, like 9.30. Probably not very useful for your audience, they're the in-studio. But the Zoom, they could always come in. And-
0: We're all over the world here at Yogaland. My number two, I think my number two country, I think my number two region is the UK. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm not surprised.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> I t- I was telling you in an email, Jason and I feel such an affinity for to yeah. all of our UK people. It's such an interesting thing because we're not. I mean, I don't know. We're very like Midwestern culturally for for the United States, but I don't know. We just connect well with with the humor and I don't know the in- intellectual approach and things like that. So, well,
1: we you, you always have a space <laughs> to stay. We've we've got. Sp- We've got a home in London, and you'd be so welcome. Oh, you know, thank anytime. you.
0: Yeah, yeah, well, next, next time I come, I'm definitely. I would definitely love to come take class with you. Oh,
1: I'd love that too. Yeah, I'd love that too. And who knows what it will look like? I mean, running a studio is a, as I'm sure you know, is very, very precarious moment. Yes. Yeah. So i kind of who know who knows, but yeah, if it's sometime soon.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I ho- I'm hoping maybe next summer. That will co- oh. come back and bring Sophia. There's a lot of horsey things in the UK. So there's like a forest out there with wild ponies, the new forest ponies that we've heard about. She's dying to meet. And
1: it's my favorite place. Really? Yes. Oh, oh Brocken- my gosh. Brockenhurst. And it's utterly, the wild ponies are my, like honestly, they're mind blowing. And you just get a train, it's an hour from London. And there's like a good, there's like various little, you can Airbnb or stay in a really nice hotel. There's a good food scene there. So you can have a lovely meal and then go on these gorgeous walks and there's just ponies everywhere.
0: Oh my gosh. I mean, it's It's like her dream. And even at this point, it's my dream too. Now I like horses too. So yeah. Yeah. It
1: feels a bit like they're not horses. It feels a bit like they're unicorns. Do you know what I mean? You're like, you just blink and you're like, this isn't real.
0: (laughs) I I believe it. I believe it. I've seen it online and it it does have that feeling. So I'm glad to hear it actually lives up to it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, thank you so much. Where can people find the book? Which I'm going to hold up again because it's so gorgeous.
1: Like through all the normal, regular online places. And if you were... have a complex relationship with the online spaces just you know you can feel good by leaving me a a review because that is a really good thing to do right you know leaving a review for an author is
0: absolutely
1: more visible but yeah so like I think anywhere online my first book was being sold also through like anthropology which was quite sweet yeah it was really sweet that it was that was happening there But yeah, I think just through all good bookstores, Andrea. (laughs) Great.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Naomi. It was so, so great to connect with you. And thank you for sharing yourself with the world with this book. I love it.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Honestly, it's such such a treat to be here. I really appreciate it. Bye. (laughs) Thanks.
0: Okay, thank you so much for listening. I can't wait to hear what you think about the book. I'll put links to buy the book at com slash episode 277. And if you enjoy the podcast and these interviews, please do let me know. You can share it on social media. You can always leave a review or a rating anywhere you listen to your podcast. It's helpful. It just helps boost the ranking of the podcast so that more people get exposed to it and can and can learn from it. I thank you so much for listening. And until next week, enjoy your practice.